Welcome to Core 242 Podcast, brought to you by Core Community Covenant Church. Now let's dive into the Word of God with Pastor Max and Pastor Trish. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So, we agree, we agree. <laughs> agree. So today, today we are finishing up our sermon series on gifts of the, of the Spirit, or spiritual gifts. Uh, when we're finishing off in Romans chapter 12, verse 8, with the three... Uh, gifts that are listed, gift of uh, encouragement, of giving, and of mercy. In Romans chapter 12, 8, so we all kind of know where it's at. Um, actually start with four so that way we're all on the same pages. Just as each of us has one body with many members and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many from one body and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it as a proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it's leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. So those are the last ones that we're going to talk about. Uh, for today, I think it's, it's been uh, a blessing to get into all these gifts of the spirit or spiritual gifts, uh, at least for me, just to kind of seeing it and identifying in my life and in the life of others um, in the way the scripture speaks of it and also opening our eyes really how important um, for the body of Christ that we, we need to have um, the understanding of the gifts and have encouraging people into those gifts uh, because it's such a blessing to us and to the kingdom of God. Um, so this, this teaching, um, I feel like it's really important to have in the church so that way people can pause and focus and see and let the Holy Spirit kind of open their, their eyes to where they at and what, what are the gifts that they have so that way they would be encouraged to use. I love how it's how simply Paul talks about it, it's like, I, I think my favorite is, if it's serving, let him serve. Encourage him, let him encourage. It's like, if this is the gift, do it. It's not like, well, now you should pray about it. And see, it's like, no. If it's encouraging, encourage. Just do it. Just, yeah, just, just do it. Like, I, 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 very, I love this. It's like, if you, today, what we're going to talk about, if it's showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Like, mm. this is your gift. Enjoy it. Do it. You know, so. <laughs> yeah, so. But it's, it's very important. It's very important for the body of Christ for, for us to identify those, those spiritual gifts and to walk in them. Um, so, again, it was, it was a big blessing for me uh, to, to go through it this, this time around. And I uh, pray that it was a blessing to those who, who heard it. So we're going to start off with encouragement. Uh, some Bibles say gift of exhortation. Um, and um, for me, as, as soon as you think of encouragement, the, even before we start, just really point out that uh, when we talk about gift of encouragement, it's encouraging in the Lord. Mm-hmm. The, I think that's, that's kind of important thing. I mean, like, for, again, first, we should all be encouraging to others. 
And, you know, there's ways to encourage people, you know, like, come on, you can, you, you can do another sit-up, you know. <laughs> That's encouraging. You can, you, you can uh, go outside when, it, when, it's, when you want to just be in your house. All day, you know, there's things encouraged, but encouraging the Lord, that's kind of the gift of the Spirit. It's got to be a spiritual thing that brings us closer to God. We've talked about it. All these gifts is to bring glory to God, to bring people closer to God. That's the whole point of these things. So for us, when we encourage somebody, especially somebody with a gift of encouragement, somebody who's going to remind them how good God is and what God can do mm-hmm. in this situation for them. Right? Um, and through that, it's, it's just you, you kind of see how God can move in people's life when you have that gift. So the first one I want to look into is, of course, Barnabas. Um, Barnabas, that's, <laughs> his name is, is the encourager. Um, and it's one of the things that I want to look at is this is going to be in Acts chapter 11, verse 22 through 24. Um, it says, news of this, uh, of this reached the ears of the church of Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and great numbers of people were brought to the Lord. So he came in to, to Antioch when where, again, there's new believers coming up. And, of course, the, the church in Jerusalem had wisdom and understood who they should send, and they sent Barnabas to go over there and encourage them all to be true in the Lord. And because of his characteristics, because of how he encouraged them, more people were brought to the Lord. They saw and heard what he had to say and then encouraged them to be closer to the Lord. More people were brought to the Lord and because, because of this gift that he, that he possessed. Now, it's, it's interesting as you, as you look at Barnabas, and we're going to use him in other ways, he has, he has encouraged so many times. I love that Barnabas was, was the one that when Saul was converted at, at, the, at the road on Damascus, and Saul came to talk to the other apostles, and they're like, you kill us. I don't want to. And Barnabas was the one because of the gift, the spiritual gift of encouragement. He had that discernment to be like, no, this is true. Let me encourage Saul by standing next to him. He probably he didn't even have to say anything. He just stood next to Saul. And because of that, because of who he was, again, he was a good man full of the Holy Spirit and faith. That was Barnabas. He just stood by Saul and his words was able to encourage Saul and he was able to do the administer the way he did. Then when they sent out, Saul was the one who was walking. I mean, Barnabas was the one who was walking with Saul and encouraged him to keep on teaching, to keep on preaching. Um, but my favorite thing about with, with Saul, the, I'm sorry, with Barnabas that I saw is that there's a story where, you know, Barnabas and, uh, and Saul, they went, they went out to preach the gospel and Mark came with them. And then it, it got so hard, Mark left them. And then a couple, another time, Barnabas and Saul came, to, came together, and they were going to go, and Mark want, uh, Barnabas wanted to bring Mark again. And Trying Saul, to give him another chance. Yeah, give him another chance so that he can come. And Saul was so upset about it, that he was like, no, if you're going to take him, I don't want to have anything to do with it. You go this way, I'm going to go that way. And there was this break. 
so so there was this break and the mistrust between Paul and and Mark and everything else. But Barnabas knew that he needed to encourage Mark. And then we see it in 2 Timothy 4.11. Uh, is this, I'm sorry, this is just a quick side note, but I, I thought it was so powerful uh, because of the encouragement that Barnabas's, Barnabas gave, um, gave Mark and everything else. We see in 2 Timothy 4.11... Where is it? Okay, here it is. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry. So something happened between the separation of Barnabas and Mark and, and Saul that because of the Barnabas encouragement to Mark and Barnabas encouragement to Paul, now when Paul is all by himself, this is one of his last letters, Everybody has left him. Only Luke is there with him. And he's like, bring me Mark. He's a blessing to me. He, he's encouraging to me. He is, he, it sounds like whatever Barnabas has, Mark has now too. And he's like, I need him with me. It's, it's a very important thing. So when you have those people around you with the gifts of the Spirit, it starts spreading to others. And you see how wonderfully they can do amazing things for the kingdom of God. Because he says it's because he's helpful to me in ministry. Again, it's not just helpful to me because he's going to uh, bandage my wounds and everything else. No, he's going to help me with my ministry. And that is the encouragement part. So it's just this one person, Barnabas, who's doing so many amazing things because of the gift that he has of encouragement. Right. So we see from Barnabas a couple of different things. One, we see that someone who has the gift of exhortation, someone who's an encourager, it's, they don't just tell people what they want to hear. The, the whole purpose of the gift of encouragement and exhortation is that you bring someone who would be an outcast and you help them become part of the community. So you encourage there to be unity in the body of Christ. The second thing is that you see out of the example of Barnabas is that he stirs up and he helps draw out the gifts in others. And so someone who has the gift of encouragement, the gift of exhortation, uh, is needed in the body of Christ because they can identify spiritual gifts in others and they can encourage and draw out those gifts and say, hey, I see this in you. You need to lean into that gift because God wants to use you in that area. And someone with the gift of exhortation stirs up and brings up the gifts um, so that we can all exercise whatever gifts have been given to us. So there's someone who, um, you know, I studied chemistry in undergrad. I have my nerd, nerding out a little bit. But there's in... Uh, in chemistry, there's in a reaction, there's something that's called a catalyst. And a catalyst is something that doesn't actually interact with the chemicals in, in a reaction, but it speeds up the process and it helps the process of whatever you're trying to accomplish to, to be brought to an end. And that's how an encourager is. That's how someone with the gift of exhortation, they, the gift in and of itself, they might not necessarily be the one serving or the one preaching or teaching. They may mm -hmm. not be in the limelight. Like Barnabas goes and gets... Paul from Tarsus, Paul had retreated. He kind of had given up on ministry at some point, and he was disappointed. And we see, uh, he didn't read that far, but in, in Acts chapter, uh, I think it was 11, uh, where Barnabas actually goes and gets Paul from Tarsus, and he says, come on, the church needs you. And he brings him to help encourage the church at Antioch. And so you see this, where Barnabas is like a catalyst, 
where he identifies and says, we need you, we need you, we need you. And he recruits and stirs up the gifts in the other believers. So in Acts chapter 14, uh, there's just this one verse here that I want to read. Uh, verse 22. So Acts chapter 14, verse 22. It says that they preached the good news uh, and strengthened the disciples, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. So this is the next thing that if someone who has a gift of encouragement helps uh helps believers in the in the face of something that would be scary or fearful encourages exactly what the word is is to take courage um, inspires courage in the believers to stay true to the faith to persevere in what god is calling them to do and there's an example of this um, that paul you know maybe he learned this from barnabas maybe god gave him this gift directly but in when paul was imprisoned and they were transferring him to rome He's in this boat, and there's a storm that overtakes them and threatens to destroy the ship and kill everybody on board. And the last point on encouragement that we really want to make is that, uh, as I said, someone who has the gift of encouragement helps you to be true to the faith and draws people, as you said this as well, doesn't just tell people what they want to hear, but draws people closer to God. And so in this story, uh, it says, uh, this is Acts chapter, I'm sorry, 27 Starting in verse 21, it says, The men had gone a long time without food. Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourself this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep your courage, because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of God, whose I am and who I serve, stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. So this is the last part about encouragement, is that someone who is an encourager doesn't just say things to flatter you or to make you feel good about yourself. Someone who has the gift of exhortation speaks the truth of God as revealed to them. Mm. So Paul doesn't just tell them, hey guys, we're going to be fine. It's, it's all going to be okay. Cheer up. No, he says, the ship is going to be destroyed. We're going to go through some hard stuff. But God has shown me that we're going to make it through. And so someone who has the gift of exhortation, someone who's an encourager, um, unlike when we talked about prophecy, usually someone with the gift of prophecy is giving, a lot of times it's a hard word, it's a rebuke, it's, it's often negative. Someone with the gift of encouragement or exhortation is usually tell, telling the, the body of believers something that will give them faith in God to persevere and to push through because God has promised, he has revealed something um, that allows them to face their fears and move through to the other side of the trial or tribulation with courage. Yeah, and man, how, how important it is to have somebody like that in the church because right. there's so many times when you just, you just want to give up, you want to just stop, and then here comes a person with that word, right? Hey, just, you know, what you're doing, God, God sees it. Um, lives are being moved, and you're like, oh, okay. He's like, but just you know, it's going to be like this for a while. <laughs> it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. But, but God, God is, is faithful. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Exactly. And we all need those encouragers alongside our journey in, in Christ. Amen. Amen. So the next one that we want to talk about is the gift of mercy. It, it talks about if, uh, if you have a gift of mercy, um, that you should be merciful. Um, <laughs> very, very deep. Very deep. Um, and actually, cheerfully. I love that. 
if it's show if it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. And it's interesting as as I was reading the commentaries because when I heard mercy, a lot of it right away I thought of like forgiveness, like being very forgiving and stuff like that. But a lot of the Corinthians commentaries talked about it's more of being compassionate. It it came more of a compassion. So if you see somebody's hurting uh, physically, emotionally, mentally, if those who have the gift of mercy, they're the ones who's going to first know how to identify it. That they, it's easily for them to see that somebody's hurting, that somebody's in need. That is the gift of mercy, of understanding that, and then being able to come aside and help that person in however way, just being present or uh, connecting them with somebody. But they are there for that person, and they will be there for that person. So it could be uh, somebody who's sick, and you just come alongside with them for that time till they get better or is it somebody who's struggling whatever <laughs> whatever the, the the things that they're going through you will able to identify it and then have the compassion to go through them and it might be burdensome it might be but that's something that they um, are blessed with you know, we Trish and I were kept on looking through examples and I'm like and then I was like well Jesus the, Jesus is always the answer, right? It's normally because you, because as you read the Gospels, you hear it over and over. And Jesus had mercy on them, and He they healed cry them. Out, Lord, have mercy. Yeah, He He had mercy and forgave them. He had mercy and He fed them. He had mercy, and He, he you know there was all these things. So Jesus was absolute like example of merciful. He calls over and over in the Bible for us to be merciful uh, with those who. Um, uh, the prayer, I'm sorry, the Lord's Prayer, it talks about show mercy, you should be shown mercy as you show mercy to others. Um, it, it's, it's one of those things that are very important. I love, uh, even with merciful, it's the whole thing of rejoice with those who rejoice and grieve with those who grieve. It's that, that that's a merciful kind of um, spirit where you would just kind of be right there with that person. Um, so that, that's kind of one of those things. So if, if anything, if we need examples of mercy, we, we can definitely easily look at Jesus. But the other one that, that we really wanted to, to look, because for some reason Paul is, has been our, our main person. Paul is not, Paul's the one receiving mercy in this yeah. story. So we're going to want to talk about Acts chapter 9, 10 through 19 of Ananias and Saul. So Paul is on the Damascus Road. At this point, he is persecuting Christians. He has not had his come-to-Jesus moment yet. <laughs> and he is going from town to town and imprisoning. And, you know, we looked at the story of where Paul himself is in prison. In this scenario, he's actually the one doing the persecuting. And he has this encounter with Jesus on the Damascus Road. And he's struck blind. And he literally has the rug basically pulled out from underneath him in his life. Because he thought he was doing what the Lord wanted him to do. He thought he was honoring God. And he actually finds out that he was opposing God. And he was impeding God's will uh, by persecuting the saints. And so everyone is terrified of Saul. Because he has earned quite the reputation for imprisoning and killing Christians, right? Uh, But here he has this moment with with Jesus on the road um, and he's struck blind and the Lord says it says here in um, Acts chapter 9 verse 10 in Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias the Lord called to him in a vision Ananias yes Lord he answered the Lord told him 
Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. So then Ananias went to the house and entered it. He placed his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. And so we, hear, we see here an example of someone who deserved to be shunned and not welcomed in and just left like, well, you get what you deserve. You know, you were persecuting Christians, you were against the church, and now you're blind? I'm just going to leave you it like that. But the Lord gives revelation to Ananias, and Ananias is obedient through the Holy Spirit to give mercy and to show mercy to Paul. Um, to provide healing, but not only did he receive physical healing, but he is baptized, so he received spiritual restoration, uh, and he, they give him some food so that he can regain his strength. And you see that Paul, immediately after this, begins to start to minister and preach the gospel, and everyone is just completely freaked out because he was an enemy of God literally, <laughs> you know, 24, 72 hours before. Uh, so we see here, the reason I like this example is because Again, Ananias is the vehicle of God's mercy. And that's what we need to understand is that we may, we may be feeling it, we may not be feeling it. That's why I think with this spiritual gift, it says if you're going to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Because mm. it's possible to show mercy to someone, but you do it begrudgingly. You do it with a chip on your shoulder. You do it because you feel like you have to. You're serving them out of a sense of obligation. But it says to, to, serve with, um, to show mercy with, cheer, like with cheerfulness. And so Ananias is like, I don't want to do this. I don't trust this man. I'm fearful maybe. He may have been feeling all kinds of emotions. But God says, I want to show mercy to this, this individual. You are the conduit that, that will be used to display God's mercy to someone else. And so someone who has the gift of mercy, is that's what you, it's not necessarily that you're holier than thou and you're showing mercy because you have so much power. And it's like, I, I could have you know, done this and that, and I could have judged you and I didn't. It's, you're a conduit for God's mercy to someone else. So you're really just showing, like when, when the lepers cry out to Jesus and they say, Lord, have mercy, you know, and heal us. He, Jesus is this conduit of God's mercy and provides them healing, physical, spiritual, emotional restoration into the community um, from their, from their disease. And this is what, when you have the gift of mercy, we realize that you have to do it cheerfully because it may not be the type of thing that you really want to do. You may actually be facing a situation like this that God is saying, I want you to show mercy to this person even though they hurt you, even though they wronged you. I want you to forgive them and I want you to extend grace on behalf of the church, on behalf of God to that individual who might otherwise be wallowing in guilt or shame. Um, and they need someone's hand of mercy to show them that God still cares that God still loves them, that we all fall short of the glory, and that we're all in need of his grace. Yeah, it's amazing what, what can happen because we show mercy to somebody who uh, feels like that they cannot be forgiven anymore. How many times do you evangelize to, to a non-believer and they're like, well, you just don't know what I have done. 
and here comes a believer who got, is pushed by the Holy Spirit with like, but he still loves you. He still cares for you. There's, there's still forgiveness. There's still repentance. And because of that, there could be this change. There could be change. Um, the, there's this powerful verse, and I'm just going to qu- quick, quickly go into it, and it's in Jude. There, Ooh, there's a lot. Jude. There's, the, That's not one you quote from every day. There's a lot there, but as, as we're talking about what can happen if we are merciful uh, and show compassion, Jude says this is in verse 22. It says, be merciful to those who doubt. Snatch others from the fire and save them. To others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupt flesh. This is one of these like visions of when you're talking about where are you Jude 22 oh I was in two I'm like that I don't see that okay I'm sorry it's Jude chapter one thank you there's only one chapter <laughs> yeah I see that there's only one chapter I was in verse two though I'm oh, like what <laughs> um so the these are like be merciful to those who doubt so the people who are not believers and they might be questioning. They might be even making fun of you. And they're spiritually dead. Mm. And we want to come in there and still show compassion, still show pa- patience, mm. and just loving on them, even through their doubt. I love it. says, so snatch others from the fire and save them. I mean, like, and this is all speaking in the mercy. Right before, right before that, the verse says, but, but you, dear friends, build yourself up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourself in God's love as you wait for the mercy of your Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. So he, he's mentioned in the verses before about it's because of the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that we're going to have eternal life. And now he says, now you show mercy to others, those who are doubting, those who are going straight, forget doubting. They're just going straight to hell. Try to pull them out. Snatch them. I love that word. Snatch others. Like, literally grab them by the collar and pull them out. It's like, hey, you're going where you shouldn't be going. You're going to be far away from God. To others show mercy mixed with fear. I, I, this was one of the ones that when I read it, it kept on going back and forth about showing mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupt flesh. And it's one of those things, what I was picturing that is when I'm showing mercy to somebody who's doing something so bad, I need to make sure that me showing them mercy is not going to corrupt me. That I need to be close to them, but not close where it might corrupt me, might corrupt my spirit, my walk with God. We need to have a little bit mixed with fear because sometimes we do have people come out and say, like, oh, I'm going to uh, minister at clubs. Or for, or for me, it's like, oh, I'm going to become a one percenter, but I'll, I'll minister in the, in the motorcycle club. And I'll, I'll go with them and do rides and do what they do, but I'm going to preach Jesus. And I'm like, no, you're very... This, you're, you're getting really close and your clothes are getting stained by what they're doing. Like, be careful. Yes, show mercy, but be very careful when you do that so that way you do not get polluted. You don't get pulled in. Exactly. So there's an example in, of mercy, another example, because we just like to show the consistency from Old Testament to New Testament. David is a, an example of mercy. Uh, after the death of both Saul and Jonathan, uh, David asks, this is Second Samuel chapter 9, he says, is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness 
for Jonathan's sake. And he asks the servant, he, he asks this twice. Uh, this is verse 3. He says, is there no one left in the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? And the servant answered the king, there is a son of Jonathan. He is crippled in both feet. And the king asked, where is he? He is at the house of maker Emil in Lodabar. So King David had him brought from Lodabar, from the house of maker, son of Emil. When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, saw the son of Saul, came to David, uh, he bowed down to pay him honor. David said, Mephibosheth, your servant, he replied, don't be afraid, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore you to all the land that belonged to your grandfather, and you will always eat at my table. When Mephibosheth bowed down and said, what is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? The king summoned Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land and bring in the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for. Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. So we see here that not only did the tradition would be that as in the new king, he would actually go and slaughter and kill, have executed all of the sons and grandsons of the lineage before him to make sure that there was no, no one who came to try to take his throne. But not only does he not do that, he actually restores him to the land, assigns him servants to take care of him. And you see that Mephibosheth felt so bad about himself that he refers to himself like a dead dog because he was crippled and lame. Um, there was nothing that he could do to repay the king. There was nothing that he could do um, to add value to the kingdom. Um, there was, and yet David shows mercy on him, not only by sparing his life, but he goes above and beyond and grants him land, grants him servants, and allows him to eat at the table. Eating at the table means that he welcomed him in as if he was part of his family. And this example, I believe, is what God wants us to do as believers, is that we go out into the highways and byways and we say, just as the Lord has shown mercy on me, the reason he did this is because God in his mercy had given him the throne. Mm -hmm. And he said, how can I return and show mercy the way that God has given me mercy? And so we go out into the highways and byways and we look for those who could not repay, but they can't give us anything in return, and we minister. So someone who has the gift of mercy, very often you will see them in, in uh, ministries like going to the hospitals or going into the prisons or ministering to orphans. Uh, in, in ministries where individuals would not be able to repay, they, they're in a situation where they're, uh, they have nothing necessarily of value to offer from a worldly perspective. And yet someone with the gift of mercy would be called to those situations um, to show love and to welcome them into God's family and have them share at the table, sit at the table, and receive the love as we receive love and mercy from God himself. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, I love that it's Old Testament, New Testament, and I mean, through the God of, well, through the, for the whole time, Jesus, Jesus, God teaches over and over. I require, I require justice and mercy. Yeah. I require justice and mercy. I do not require these sacrifices. sacrifices. I want justice and mercy. That you guys were called when he's talking to Israelites, you were called to be separated so that you would have justice and you would have mercy to those around you. So um, it's a very, very important part of being a Christian. And very, so we are all called to show mercy. Those who are spiritually, like you said, they just, it's the above and beyond. Like any other gift, like I said at the beginning, all, we all have these gifts, but some people have, that's their, 
main their primary, their primary way, to way yeah themselves. absolutely through their service so the last one is giving so the last one is giving it says if it's given give generously um again we're called to tithe we're called to give um even even if you look at it one of the first examples i wanted to read was in, in barnabas when uh barnabas in acts chapter 4 he sells he sells the field that he owned and he brought the money and put it to at the apostles feet that's a big deal you sell, you sell something like that oh yes i'm sorry barnabas. barnabas yeah but if you look ahead of, uh, not ahead right right before that verse 32 through 35 it says all the believers were one in heart and mind no one claimed that any of his possessions was his own but they shared everything they had with great power the apostles continued to testify the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and much grace was upon them all. There was no needy person among them. For the, from time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sale and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone as he had need. So this wasn't a, like a big deal that Barnabas did. That was the church thing to do. Like you were able to bless the church, bless it. <laughs> if you got money, give it away. Or possessions, give them away. So what, like, we normally see that. It was like, man, Barnabas, he, he sold his land. It was, everybody was doing that. You know? But that, that was something that was a normal thing for the church. To just give beyond that was, that was needed. Like, honestly. So that there would be equality and that there would be Absolutely, that. yeah. And you kind of start. Are you in Second Corinthians? Yeah. Go ahead. Second Corinthians chapter eight. So Second yeah. Corinthians chapter eight talks about talks about giving. And there's a lot here. I would encourage you to just read it uh, on your own uh, to get some insight into how uh, Paul encourages uh, the Corinthians to to be generous in their giving. But it says here, uh, for if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has not according to what he does not have. This is 2 Corinthians 8, chapter 8, verse 12 and 13. It says, Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but that there might be equality. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need, so that in return, their plenty will supply what you need. Then there will be equality. As it is written, he who gathered much did not have too much. He who gathered little did not have too little. And so the goal here is this picture that in the church, that someone who has more financially would give generously and those who have less would have their needs taken care of. So it's not that you have, and, and the, the reality is, is that we all go through seasons. And so there'll be a season when the role may be reversed and the one who is giving is in need and the one who was in need previously is now in a position where they're able to give. Um, and to not see it as a one-way street that there's one person who's always giving and one person who's always receiving, even if that dynamic is there within the church, the goal is, is that there would be no one who has too much and no one who has too little. But that within the church, the needs of the church, the body would be met and that we would all have that what God has provided for our basic needs. And that no one would be hurting in a way where they're struggling to survive. Yeah, somebody with a spiritual gift of giving is, is somebody who's very humble. Um, most of the time when somebody gives like above and beyond is somebody that you're never going to hear about. The only time that would he be heard about is like we have a, a donor that has given us this for something like that. All of a sudden you get a notification that your bill got paid or you have a, 
that somebody paid for you to go to a retreat or anything like that, that, that is that somebody. The person with that gift, it's that somebody. It's never somebody who's rich, but it's somebody who has wisdom in finances where they can actually budget. I love that it says that it's, we, don't want, we don't want you to give out of, like, that you'll be hurting. Like they want you to have understanding. Uh, in Second uh, Corinthians chapter nine, nine verse seven, it says, "Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver." And I love the beginning of it, that a man should give what he has decided in his heart to give. It's not something just out of um, emotion. Oh, they showed a couple of hungry people and like I'm going to give no what what did you decide it's got to be something to, that you have looked into maybe budgeted for it, whatever it is but it's got to be something you decided so that way it's because if you just kind of emotionally give and all of a sudden you come home you're like well I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills you know or there, there's a wisdom so that's why people who have this gift of giving they also are pretty smart with the money because they can see what they can do, what they can live and how much they give. And they probably monthly start off as like, this is what I need to live off. Anything extra, if I can give to people, I'm going to give to. And it says a cheerful giver. Like tithing should not be something that hurts you. You know, it's, it's something that should bless you. Like it would be excited. Um, for, for me personally, when we were going through finances, one of the biggest things that was hurting me that I could not take people out to eat. Like, I loved going to a restaurant and picking up the tab. Like, that's a blessing to me. I love doing that. You know? So when we were finances, you know, I'd be like, can somebody pick me up? And I had brothers and sisters who was paying for lunch and dinner for me during that time. So, like, when we got to the better place, I was able to do, the, do that back. And, and the, that's just one of those things. You're like, you, you rejoice in doing that. You know? You, you, it's... It's joyful to give to the church because you see, man, church, the church has blessed somebody to do that. You give to an organization, you're like, man, they're, they're doing amazing things. That makes me excited that I get to be part of that, right? right? And part of giving cheerfully is also that you're not giving uh, in order to receive a return. I can't tell you how many times, if I had a dollar for every time I have heard someone say to sow a seed so that you could reap 30 or 100 fold in return, and it becomes a manipulative thing that you tithe or you give in order to get some sort of a return on investment as if you're playing the divine stock market. That's, that's not what giving is. You give cheerfully without an expectation of return. You give out of overflow. You give, as he said, you've budgeted, you've planned, God has put on your heart, and you give not so that you have to go without, but you give out of your abundance that God has blessed you with. And you realize that the resources you have are a blessing. And, and it's, it's also important to realize that when we're talking about giving, we're not only just talking about money, but we're talking about giving your time, giving of your talent, um, that you should always have certain boundaries that you don't give in a way that's like, oh my gosh, I have to do this. If it's a chore, then it's no longer giving. You're, you're doing it as a sacrifice, and that's not what God is looking for. He wants you to give cheerfully. Uh, but it says here in Matthew chapter 6, uh, I'm sure you're familiar with this verse, it says, When you give to the needy, this is verse 3, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. 
then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And so the reward we're looking for is not a return on, on our seed that we've planted. It's not a, a thank you or a plaque with our name on it. What we're looking for is that God would honor what we've done. He would hear our prayers and, he, and we would have a reward that's in heaven. We may not see it on this side of our lives, uh, but there will be, the Lord sees and he knows, what, he knows everything. And so we don't do it for a reward here or for praise or accolades from men, but we do it in secret in a way that's generous and cheerful. Uh, and again, like all the gifts, we should all be giving and we should all be generous. Uh, but certain individuals really have this gift and it just comes naturally to them because the Holy Spirit has given them that ability and that desire. And it's, it's a way that they love to express the love of God through their financial and time and giving. And it's a ministry uh, in the chapter 8, the beginning of chapter 8 in Second Corinthians, when Paul is talking about the church in Macedonia, he Macedonia. says, Macedonia, thank you. For I testify that they gave us as much as they were able and even beyond their ability entirely on their own. Uh, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service to the saints. Like th they wanted to be able to bless of what was going on. They're like, I want to be part of the kingdom of God. I might not be able to go out and minister. I might not be able to mi be a missionary evangelist or this and that, but I, I can do it financially. So I want to be connected to you guys in that way. Let me bless you. So we become, again, a body, a body of Christ where we, give, we support one another in that way. So whatever that missionary is doing that you are supporting, you're part of that. Mm -hmm. They're able to do that is because you, you're doing Somebody's in Ukraine helping somebody and you financially help them that way, send out you are part of that blessings that are happening in Ukraine. So that is a cool thing because that's the body of Christ that's doing that. Right? So in Luke chapter 19, we see someone who had this gift, because we like to give examples of people who have the gift. Um, we see that Zacchaeus, the tax collector, a lot of times, remember we said the spiritual gifts are graces. The word is actually a grace. And usually the gifts that you have are something that goes contrary to your nature, because God is trying to do something in you. And so you see this example with Zacchaeus, that here he was a tax collector. He was all about the money. He wanted to be wealthy. He had wanted a name and reputation. Um, people would be socially shunned in order to become a tax collector, and they were known for lying, cheating, and stealing in order to get uh, to get ahead. But he comes to know Jesus, and he says, uh, "This is Luke chapter 19, verse 8." He spontaneously, you see this change in his heart, and he says, "Zacchaeus stood up and said, Look, Lord.'" Here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. If I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay them back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save what was lost. So you see this example of how who he was in his flesh when he's filled with the Holy Spirit. When he comes to know Jesus, he has this dramatic turnaround and now he becomes super generous. And he wants to make things right. And he realizes that it's a part of his salvation. That God cares what you do with your money. God cares how you steward the gifts that he's given you financially. And we see this example in Zacchaeus that he has the gift of giving. And he not only uh, gives his possessions to make it right whatever he's wrong. But he says he's, he'll give four times the amount. So he went above and beyond. And to the, when someone has the gift of giving or generosity... 
you know that they have that gift because they not only give, but they give to the point that makes you uncomfortable, where you say, you know, I, I don't feel comfortable accepting that, or it's too much, or they usually will not only meet the need, but they'll exceed it because they're giving in a way that's cheerful and they feel that it's a blessing for them to be able to give. And you're gonna look at that example, right? Yeah, well, it's, it's this ama- amazing story. This is in Exodus chapter 35. God, ha- God has just given the vision of the tabernacle to, the, uh, to Moses and Moses is now gonna tell the people and he, he very much tells them exactly what's gonna happen, how it's gonna happen. And this is Exodus 35 starting at four. Moses said to the whole Israeli community, this is what the Lord has commanded. From what you have, take an offering for the Lord. Everyone who is willing is to bring to the Lord an offering of gold, silver, and everything else. Then he says, all who are skilled among you are to come and make everything the Lord has commanded. He, he keeps on talking. Then the whole Israel community withdrew from Moses' presence after he gave him the list of all the things they need to do. Um, and everyone who was willing and whose heart moved, moved him came and brought an offering to the Lord for the work of the tent of meetings and everything else. And they just start talking about all the things that people started bringing. And then it's, it's, it's amazing because the skilled workers finally came to, came to him and says, so all the skilled workers, this is in the verse, uh, chapter 36, um, 36, they received from Moses all the offering the Israelites had brought to carry out the work of construction and sanctuary. And the people continued to bring fruit offerings morning after morning. So all the skilled craftsmen who were doing all the work of the sanctuary left their work and said to Moses, the people are bringing more than enough for doing the work of the Lord commanded to be done. Then Moses had to give an order. No man or woman is to make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. It was overwhelming. Yeah, right. I, I love, I love, how, and when they're talking about this, it talks about the leaders brought onyx stones and everything else, and the the people saw how the leaders were giving, and then the people started giving, and and they just it just became one of those things where it's like, wait, this is a blessing. We're doing God's work. We're doing something that God spoke in, spoke to Moses. So we're doing exactly what God wants to do, and it's a blessing to us. It's part of our worship. I love that it's 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 even called an offering. Right? Wouldn't that be amazing if the people who had the gift of giving and, and those of us who all practice giving in such a way that in, at church you would hear, we're, we are not going to take an offering because we don't, we have enough, we don't need any more money. So just <laughs> close your wallets, put them away. That would require humans to be good. <laughs> yeah, that be good. But that's how God designed it. I mean, that's how God designed it. And when we're operating in the Holy Spirit, that, that's exactly what could happen is nice. that you have... Everything that you need, even to a point of overflow where people are still wanting to give because they want to be a part of what God is doing. They want to be a part of the movement of God and the kingdom of God that's advancing around them to the point where you have to say, you know what, we're good. Um, we don't need any more. Thank you very much, but not I lo- today. I love as you, as you read through chapter 35, there's so many times uh, it says if you're willing. And it says, and those those who were willing and all the women who were willing and the leaders who were willing and the other Israelites, um, men and women who were willing brought to the Lord free will offerings. It was just, and it's a free will offering. It's, it's an offering that doesn't get anything back to you. It's not a, 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 a sin offering. It's not a, 
friendship or whatever offering, it's a free will offering. You get nothing. You're just <laughs> giving it just to give. And that, that's what people loved. They loved to do. They saw this and they just like, they wanted to do that. So in that way, the mercy and giving gifts are similar. Because yeah. they're not expecting her to. Absolutely. Right. And I, I think all of them, I mean, if you look they tie at... together. Yeah. I, I think if you look at all these three, I don't know how God just led Trish to put these together. Because she was like, we just got to do three at a, at a time. And so she sat there and she wrote them out. And as I, as I look, I mean, how encouraging it is when somebody mm-hmm. pays your bill. Giving <laughs> is really an encouragement. It's very encouraging. Yeah. It's really what it is. And then you, you see that there's a need, so you show mercy by giving them. That's okay. You know, you give, you're giving yeah. to them. So it's, it's just all connected. I think ju- just the same way as we looked at Beatitudes being connected to one another. Same way we looked at the... The fruit of the spirit was connected. The spiritual gifts are all connected, and when they work together, that's why always, always you read that the, we are the body. It all we has are to the work body. Together. They all work together. We all need one another at certain time. Whatever gifts you have is just we, we got to be together. Uh, so we need to we need to be able to identify. We need to pray that God would reveal what gifts that we have, and then use them. Don't sit up. And even pray for Be gifts willing. that we don't have. Yeah. I think that's the other thing is now that we know what gifts there are, now that we've studied the different gifts, you know, you can't ask. Sometimes you don't have because you don't ask. And we haven't asked for that gift, but to say, wow, Lord, I really wish that you would grow the gift of mercy in my life because that's something that I, I would love to be a merciful person. I would love to be someone who just exudes compassion, but I'm not wired like that. And so to begin to pray that God would give you those gifts that it says to pray for and eagerly desire the greater gifts. So I, my, my prayer is that we would all have, you know, walk away from this series and have at least one gift that we would say, I'm going to pray that God cultivates this gift in me. Amen. Thank you for spending time with us during this episode. We pray that this teaching blessed you and brought you closer to understanding God. If you'd like to contact us, please email us at fourchurch242 at gmail.com. Until next time, know you are loved and covered in prayer.